Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. But today we are in part two of our message series called I Choose, and we're talking about our decisions. We're talking about the choices that we make and realizing the importance and the power that comes with those. Because if you think about it, we, we really are just the sum total of the decisions that we make in our life. At the end of the day, at the end of our lives, it all just adds up based on the choices that we have made. And last week we talked about choosing purpose over popularity and it was a lot of fun to really talk about that and unpack what it means to be striving for popularity because we don't we don't view ourselves that way but there's more to it than we realize at times but today we're going to see why it's important that I choose surrender over control surrender over control but as we jump in I need some participation okay so just quickly How many of you would say that in some area of your life, you love to have control? Come on, just raise your hand, hands up high. Okay, okay, I appreciate the honesty, I like this. Now look at the person next to you and tell them, I'm a little bit of a control freak, just a little bit. Look at the person, tell them, you can tell them. I'm a little bit of a control freak. But look at him again, but I'm almost always right, right? That's what we feel, but I'm almost always right, almost. All of us at some point in our lives, some area, we deal with control. Some of you, your motto is do it my way in my time or I will just do it all by myself, right? Like we live that way or maybe you work for that person. Some of you, you are that person. In your home, you're you're a little bit of a control freak right? Like everything has to have its place and its place has a place and the place has another place. And if it's not there, then chaos ensues. Like we, we just have these little tendencies in our lives. And just being honest with you, I have some control freak tendencies or, or CFTs for short. I have a couple of those. One of my major ones is that I cannot ride in the passenger seat of a car. Just can't do it. I just can't do it. Like it just, I I just, I struggle. I always volunteer to drive. It doesn't matter where we're going or how long the trip is. I will get in the driver's seat of the car because I have control. I'm good. I don't get car sick. I just like, it's this whole mental battle for me. And I don't ever let Lauren drive very often, especially on long trips. There's so many stories to tell you why that is the case, but (laughs) I'm pretty sure the last time that I let Lauren drive was about 18 months ago. And this beautiful woman of mine made me curse in front of my firstborn child. I mean, I can't believe that it it just happened. It was a morning that I was dealing with a migraine and we were working somewhere else and we couldn't miss that day. And I was on Excedrin and I just was like, you know, the whole migraine thing. I was covering my eyes and we had to drop. Brooklyn off. She was going to a little school in OB and we're driving all the way to OB. And if you've ever been to OB, there's this like right when you get on the main drag, you're just going straight. And then right there by the weird vegetarian 
smoothie place, the road just goes poop to the left. Well, Lauren didn't poop to the left and almost ran into a parked car. Thus, my halfway open ah! freak out moment. Thankfully, Brooklyn has not repeated it, and we're good, and that was like 18 months ago, so don't judge me with your eyes, I understand, okay? But that's how long it's been since I rode in the passenger seat with my wife, because I just, it's not a good place for me. And it's, it's fun to make fun of, but the reality is that whenever we're trying to control something that's not ours to control, it really shows that deep inside there's something more happening in our lives. There's a deeper issue within us because what we're trying to do, and, and we don't like to think about it this way, but what we're trying to do is, is we're trying to kind of be God in those moments of our lives. We're trying to be God over that situation or that area of our life because really the only person who should have control is the one who created it all, right? Because he's the only one who knows exactly what we should do. And it, it doesn't seem that serious right now, because it's just a cute little thing that I deal with. I just, I just have to drive or I just have to do this. But the reality is, and if you're honest with yourself and I'm honest with myself, what happens is when crisis comes, when struggles come, when situations get worse, the pressure is on and stress rises, that little cute thing that we like to control is no longer cute, but it rears its ugly head in a lot of other areas because we try to grab back control in every area of our life when we let that one little area come. So one of the the most popular verses in the Bible today, I want to use as kind of our anchor as we're looking at it. But I'll be honest with you, it's it's one of the hardest things to live out. It's a familiar verse, and I'm going to read it in a different translation because I love how it, it, it says it in here. But it's just such a powerful thing that you and I should strive for and look for in our lives but it's not easy. It says this, Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord completely. Do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. This is key here. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will do what? Say it with me. He will lead you wherever you go. I love how verse 6 says, to become intimate with him in whatever you do. And that, for, for those of you who are new to your relationship with Jesus, you're like, that feels a little weird. Like, what? What do you mean be intimate? But that, I love that word because it's, it's this word picture of closeness. It's this word picture of, of intimacy. And you and I, it's not a word that we use all the time, but when we use that word intimacy, it means a lot. There's a depth to it. There's a richness to it. There's, there's an emotional, physical connection there. And even though it might seem hard to imagine that with God, that's, that's what he's longing for. This depth of closeness and connection, this intimacy with us that is just rich and beautiful. I love that description. And we're to submit to him in everything and acknowledge him to know him in all of our ways. And when, he, when we do that, he will make our paths straight. He will lead us in the direction that he wants to lead us. He will lead us in every decision that we make. The problem is this, and you'll see it on the screen. The more that we try to control, the more we're afraid of losing that control. 
The more areas of our life that we feel like we have our hands on, we have a grip on it, we understand what it's looking like, and we're, we're navigating that car, we're the ones driving, the more of those areas we have, the more afraid we become of losing that. And essentially what we do is we edge God out and we say, God, I, I, I want to go ahead and control this because this feels better in my hands than it does in yours. And if we're not careful, it'll just keep growing and growing and growing. What I want to do today is I want to show you an example from the Old Testament, from the beginning of the Bible, before Jesus walked the earth. And it's an example of control gone bad. And, and what's, what's amazing about it is that this control went so poorly that it's actually impacting things that are happening in our lives today. So I want to show you that. And I'll show you this story about a man and a woman named Abram and Sarai. And their names were later changed to Abraham and Sarah. So you may be more familiar with that. But if there's anybody who battled with control over their lives, it was, it was these two. And one of the biggest examples from their lives was when they were childless and they were really wanting more than anything to have a child. And there was more to it than just, I want to have a baby. God had promised Abraham this amazing, mind-blowing promise in his older age. And he said to him, you will be the father of not just many children. You will be the father of many nations. You'll be the father of many nations. What a promise. Like, what a huge, huge deal. And so you can imagine Abraham and Sarah's response when nothing happened for a while, right? Nothing had happened. You're going to be the the father of many nations. Am I going to have a baby at some point? Like, what's going on, God? And it just, just kept being this waiting season and this waiting season, and you've been there before. You, you've been in that season where you're trusting God for an answer or trusting God for a breakthrough financially, or you're trusting God to heal that person that you love. You're trusting God to do something, and it's just not happening in the timing that you wanted to, and you just, you're waiting, and the waiting room is getting old. You know the shapes of all of the little things on the wallpaper. You've counted them all. You've done trigonometry with them. You know what this waiting room looks like, and you're done with it. And it's like, God, where are you at in this moment? Another week, another month, another year, another fight, another misunderstanding, another bill. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Time is just going by. It's like, God, where are you? You promised me this. Where are you at? And so Sarah, she, she did what many of us do. When God's timing was not her own, she decided to take matters into her own hands to bring her own outcome. And she thought it was a perfect plan. And check it out in Genesis chapter 16, starting in verse 1. It said, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Now, why would the Lord prevent her from having children if he promised that you were going to have children? This is where her mind had gone. She was done with the waiting. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram, making the worst decision ever, agreed with Sarah's proposal. Now, men in the room, I don't know about you, but every time I read this, I'm like, what a dummy. 
I don't care if my wife came to me at any point in our life and said, hey, I've got a good idea. Why don't you go sleep with her? This is a trick question. No. The answer is no. I know this one. This all makes sense to me. No, 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 no. Cool. That's not going to work. I don't care what you say. I, this is a trap, right? This is a complete trap. But I don't know what was going through Abram's head. He was Maybe she was cute. I don't know. That's all I can figure out. Maybe he's been eyeing her for a couple months. He's like, she's kind of cute. I mean, if she says it's all right, well, I mean, yeah. So he says, yes. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. And when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. It was like the little cul-de-sac circle, like, ha-ha, I'm pregnant, you not, ha-ha, how about, like, ladies, y'all gotta be nice, like, be nice to each other. Why she had to do that? Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault, right, men? She came up with the idea, and she's like, no, it's your fault. You did this, Abram. He's like, what? What? I told you it was a trap if you would have listened to me. I put my servant in into your arms and now that she's pregnant she treats me with contempt the lord will show who's wrong you are me and abram replied look she is your servant so you deal with her as you see fit then sarah treated hagar so harshly that she finally ran away now if you don't know what happened next let me let me tell you something and this is really mind-blowing example of control ending badly. What happened is that Hagar, she ended up being pregnant and she gave birth to a son named Ishmael. And later on, God allowed Sarah to have a child named Isaac. And there's these two lines of people, one through Ishmael and one through Isaac. Out of Ishmael, you actually have the Palestinians. Out of Ishmael, you actually have the prophet Muhammad of the Islamic faith. And out of Isaac was the Jewish people, the people of God, the people that were there. And through that line, you have Jesus. And so here we are, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years later, and we're still dealing with this issue of the seed of Ishmael and the seed of Isaac. The Middle East is torn to pieces and things that we're seeing happening all this week, all based on this decision of control going poorly. Of Abraham and Sarah saying, God, I see your plan. I hear your voice. But you know what? I don't like your timing. So I'm going to do my own thing. Here we are thousands of years later seeing this play out in front of of our eyes and you and I all face moments where we can trust God's timing or we can take it into our own hands. For some of you, you're a single guy, single Christian girl, and you're, you're looking for a, a single Christian guy or girl and, and eventually you, you, it's, not, it's not happening and it's not going. And, and so that, that cute guy over there that isn't a Christian or doesn't have real, real good morals, but he's a guy. I guess I should just date them. I can change them. I can figure it out. I'll make it work. And instead of sticking to what you believe and what you hope, you fall for the cute smile and you realize 
ah, that cute smile isn't all that nice when we don't see eye to eye on anything, right? Or, or maybe for you, it could be people at work that you're, you're trying to lead them the right way. And, and instead of people celebrating and be like, oh, you're so awesome, you get backlash and frustration. And all you're trying to do is you're trying to lead well and you're trying to be honoring and, and it's not going the way that you thought it would go. And so you just give up and instead of leading people the way that you know you should, you just bark orders and fall back into your old ways instead of leading the way that you know God wants you to lead. We've all been there. We've all had those moments. Maybe for you, it could be financially that you're, you're trying to get to a healthier place and, and bill after bill after bill just keeps showing up and you're like, God, I am doing my best. I don't understand what's going on here. I, I thought if I did this, you would bless it. It doesn't look like you're blessing it, so I'm just going to give up on all this stuff and I'm just going to do what I've always done. We've all faced those moments where the waiting room becomes more than we can bear. So the question is, what is it for you? What is that area of your life that time and time again you try to control? And I actually want to just pause for like 30 seconds to give you a chance. On the paper in front of you, do you have a spot where you can write, I am trying to control blank. Maybe for some of you it's your marriage Maybe it's your future. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's you're trying to control your future spouse and like the hopes of that, your finances. Write it down on that piece of paper. Don't be stubborn. Don't be stubborn. Like, don't. I'm just going to write it down mentally. I know what it is. I'm just, no, write it down in front of you so that you can see it and own it with God in this moment of, hey, God, I recognize in this moment I'm trying to control this. I'm trying to take back control. Think about it and name that area. And as we wrap up today, what I want to do is I want to give you two big questions that you can ask yourself to help you answer how you change this, how you can release some of those areas to God. All right, you ready? Question number one is this. Is it worth my concern? Is it worth my concern? In other words, in the grand scheme of your life, in the grand scheme of your purpose and existence on this earth, is this particular situation worth me giving the two most valuable things that I have to it, my time and my energy? Is it worth my concern? That's, this question for me has changed the game. Is it worth me? Get, because you can't replenish time and energy. You have a finite amount of it. Every day you're allowed a certain amount of time and a certain amount of energy and no amount of Red Bulls or five-hour energies or B12, 400 plus, whatever. You can pop all of them that you want. At the end of the day, there's only so much time and there's only so much energy. So is it worth my concern to give this valuable asset to it? Because I'll be honest, guys, there, there's a lot of things in our life that it bugs us 
and we give our time and our energy to it. And at the end of the day, we've given so much time and energy to those things that at the end of the day, it really just doesn't matter. We just, we just wanted to speak into it. We just wanted to control it. And at the end of the day, guess who suffers? Our family. Because we've got no more time and we've got no more energy left because we gave it to areas that really, in the grand scheme of it, doesn't require my concern. And this is hard. This is really, really hard for us to, to get to that place because I'll just be honest. There's, there's things that we do now as a church, and I understand that we're only a, a year into this process, but there's things that we do as a church that I know could be better, and I want it to look better, and I, I want things to be just as great as they possibly can be. But at the end of the day, me striving per, for perfection doesn't mean that it's effective. And if at the end of the day, everything here on a Sunday goes perfect, and I'm a useless husband and a useless father, what's the point? And so I have to get to the place where I know I'm striving for excellence. I know our team is striving for excellence. But at the end of the day, there's only so much time. There's only so much energy that we can put into it. And this lie that we have in our minds is if everything goes perfectly, then it's going to be effective. And that's not the truth. One, it's impossible for anything to go perfect. We're people. And so we just have to make sure in our lives we understand that we want to strive towards excellence, but we cannot leave everything out on the field and have nothing left to give the people who matter most. I can have control or I can have growth, not both. Because see, the responsibility of a leader is not to control. The responsibility of the leader is to empower others. And if we're leaders in our homes and leaders in our organizations where the whole goal is for us to have control, we're never going to see the success that we want. A leader empowers others. That's our responsibility. In our relationships, you can have control or you can have intimacy. You can't have both. Sometimes in our lives, and, and Lauren and I have navigated this so many times, we just get, we get wigged out about these things that just feel so big in the moment, but at the end of the day, that we have moments of clarity where we just go, ah, this just isn't worth it. This isn't worth fighting about. This isn't worth our concern. Like, it'll be fine. It'll be okay. And we have to ask ourselves, is this worth my concern? The second question is this. Is it mine to control? Is it even mine in the first place to control? Lauren and I, for the 11 years that we've been married now, we we have a motto that we say that we're, we're going to control what we can, and we're going to trust the rest up to God. Whatever we can put our hands on and do something about, we're going to do that because neither both of us are driven, neither one of us are lazy, and we're both extremely impatient. And so if there's something for me to put my hands on, I am going to put my hands on it. But what we've learned is that there's certain moments in your life that, man, things happen, and you can fall to pieces because you're trying to control it. But it, it's not yours to control. And if there's nothing that you can physically, actively do anything about, then you're stressing about something that only God can control. 
And you and I, in our situations, we have to ask ourselves, am I doing all that I can? And then if I am, am I trusting God to do the rest? Am I doing all that I can? And if I am, then am I trusting God to do the rest? And we have to ask ourselves, is there something that I should do something about? Is this a situation that I need to do something about? Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes there's things for us to work on. There's conversations to have. There's moments that we have to walk through things. There's forgiveness that we need to, to give to someone, even if they don't deserve it. There's, there's things that we can do. But at some point, it's left to God. There's a big difference in our life where we have to understand. There's a big difference between surrendering control and relinquishing responsibility. There's a big difference. Just because I don't panic and freak out about it doesn't mean that I'm just, well, I'm not responsible for it. No, no, no. That's not what God is saying in these, in these stories. That's not what he's encouraging us. He's not going, oh, yeah, just look at that and go, that's ah, not my responsibility. I'm out. No, no. We, we still have a purpose and, and a responsibility in the situation. We have to be willing to do the work but then there's times that you've done your part and what's left is faith. You've done your part. You've done all that you can and now you have to trust. I love the words of, of Paul when he's chained to this Roman guard under house arrest in Philippians chapter 4. And he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I just, I, I love the picture of Paul writing these things because I can see him like, hey, bro, can you like give me a little excess chain? My arm's a little pinched here. Let me, don't worry about, come on, give me a little bit more, anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. In every situation, what do we do? We, we present our request to God. In every situation, in everything, we pray. We bring it before the Lord. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand because it's embarrassing, and I, I've done the same thing. How many times have we said, well, all we can do now is pray? I mean, all we can do now is pray. And I can imagine God sitting on his throne going, you're screwed now. I mean, wow. All you can do is pray. That's all you can do now. Jesus, did you hear that? All that's left for them to do is pray. Like, that's it. That's all they have left. And God's going, no, it's not the last resort. It's the first step. Like, pray. Prayer is never our last resort. Prayer is always the first line of offense for us. It changes the atmosphere. God hears us going, oh man, all God left is, all God left is you, God. He's like, what more do you need? I'm here. I have everything. What do you mean all we have left is to pray? God hears our prayers and he says, God, I, I have all that you need, everything that you hoped for, everything that you dreamed for. I've got it here. Are you going to trust me? Do you have faith? Are you bringing this to me, believing that I would do what only I can do? And when we do this, God provides peace that passes all understanding. And Lauren and I right now, we, we have some 
some friends of ours that are, are walking through this right now. It's, it's some of our best friends in Georgia. And last year, just it, it just happened. His his dad died completely unexpectedly, and we were able to go and we were able to be with them. And not 13 months later, her mom after doing well after some major strokes in her life had another major stroke out of nowhere and she's gone two parents in less than 13 months they're our age and it's like god what what are you doing i don't understand like why are they walking through this but you we sat in their living room and we sat there hand in hand together and we just prayed. We said, God, we don't understand this. God, we don't understand what you're doing in our lives. We don't understand why this friend of ours who's 25 has double breast cancer and is having to work, walk through all of that. God, I don't understand why these people who have been through years of infertility are still battling with it. God, I don't understand why this is happening, but we're standing here in this circle saying, God, only you can handle these things. God, only you can do this. Only you can give us strength. And we stood there and we prayed. And tears flowing through our eyes and hope filling our spirits. We looked at each other and the peace that passes all understanding was just all over them. And as we're walking through these situations and we're, we're seeing God move, and then navigating a season that I have no idea how they're navigating. They're covered with peace that passes all understanding. Why? Because they prayed. Why? Because they relied on God. They did everything that they can do. And then they relied and trust God. For some of you, you're going through some situations and you're dealing with things. You're married to someone and you, things have just been a struggle. And the question you have to ask yourself is, can I change my spouse? Some of you think you can. Let me help you out. You can. But you know who can change their heart? God. You know who can speak life into them? Who can call out greatness in their life? Who can call out purpose? God. You know how it happens? It happens by us not trying to manipulate the situation and force our spouses to do these things, but go, God, I love you and I love them. I'm gonna trust you. Do what only you can do. Can you heal your body? Can you heal the body of someone that you love? No, but God can. God has that power. To be able to answer those prayers, we can say, God, I trust you with only what you can. Can you control your kid's future? No. You can try to raise them the best way that you can. You can try to be a voice of wisdom for them. But at the end of the day, only God can be there present in every single step of their future. In every dark moment that they have. In every moment of victory, in every moment that they feel insecure, in every moment, you and I can be helicopter parents all we want and try to be that for them. We can't. We weren't created to be that. 
the end of the day, we were created to trust God. Go, God, I'm going to believe that you can do the impossible. God, I trust you to be there when they need you. So today, as we pray, will you choose surrender or will you choose control? Will you choose surrender or will you choose control? Let's pray. God, it's so difficult to surrender control. God, for many of us, the idea of surrendering just feels like weakness. It feels like giving up. It feels like we're saying we're not enough. Then you know what? We're not. God, we're not enough. No matter how smart we are, no matter how gifted we are, no matter how resourced we are, no matter what happens at the end of the day, we're never created to be the ones solely in control of our lives. Left to our own devices, we mess it up every time. Just like we saw with Abraham and Sarah. They thought they had a brilliant idea that for generation after generation after generation, people have suffered. God, I pray today that as we pause in this moment, as we pause in this beginning of this new year, God, that you would just allow us to make the hard decision and surrender control to you to just say, God, I've been trying to run my life, but starting today, nobody's going to run my life but Jesus. Nobody's going to run my marriage but Jesus. No one's going to run my business. No one's going to run this organization. No one's going to run anything in my life but you, Lord. And then we're going to trust you. We're going to do everything we can in our strength and trust you with the rest. God, I thank you that you are present for us, that you are near to us. And then the moment that we open our hands just long enough to say, God, I give it to you, is the moment that you just show up with all power, with all strength, and with the peace that passes all understanding. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We pray all of this in the strong in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.